0: Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. I love the smell of my pump in the morning. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. You talking to me? You talking to me? Go ahead. Make my day. He's looking at you, kid.
1: They're called boobs, eh? Well done!
0: Welcome to the Hollywood Insight podcast episode 47. I'm your host Steve Troutman, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors Screencraft and Screenwriting U. Screencraft, one of the industry's top programs for discovering emerging screenwriters, has script contests where many of their winners get signed with literary reps and receive all sorts of other notice. Screenwriting U offers classes to screenwriters of all levels. Many of their students have gone on to have successful writing careers. So, check out screencraft.com and ScreenwritingU.com. In this episode, I talk with writer-directors Jeff Chan and Andrew Reimer about their film Plus One and how they became a writing-directing team after learning to work together in college. And now, here's my
2: conversation with Jeff and Andrew.
0: I'm here with the filmmakers of Plus One, and uh, I'm sitting across the table from
2: Jeff Chan and Andrew Reimer.
0: Welcome, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Um, So let's go back way, way back. How long have you been interested in writing, filmmaking, pointing cameras and microphones at people?
1: Well, I grew up in a a suburb uh, in New Jersey, and began to mess around with filmmaking when I when I got a a DV recorder for my, I think I want to say my fifteenth birthday. And I would just go out and film nonsense, like leaves falling from trees and water rushing. <laughs> and I would lay it into an editing sequence. And I remember it was Pinnacle Studio 7 was the editing software, which also came with its with a, a library of stock footage, You're stock right. video files of a family going to the zoo. <laughs> so I took all that and, and cut it to these techno songs. And I really fell in love with it because i i don't know about these and i would love to see these i don't have them anymore because the external hard drives i used uh, exploded like they just stopped working thanks maxter um but they uh they yeah i loved it so much and then kind of from there expanded into narrative storytelling once i got into theater in high school i met a lot of fellow theater nerds that that i really got along with and we We've, we said, well, we can combine the stuff we're learning from theater into this new technical skill that I'm developing and a couple of us were developing. And we started making these really trippy short films. They,
2: well, you were just high all the time and
1: making – sorry, okay. whoops. Well, yeah, <laughs> I was. I was making – you know what we would do? We would make – Movies sober for ourselves when we were high, and then right. we would watch them. And it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I thought
0: you were going to say you made
1: them sober <laughs> and then edited them high. Well, yeah, sometimes that too. Anyway, this is how about you,
2: Andrew? Uh, I I grew up with it. I, my dad was a screenwriter, um, oh, nice. and uh, and I grew up in town. Uh, and I actually growing up, I didn't think really um, anything of it. I don't think I was. Re- I don't like wasn't from like a really young age that I was writing or, or or trying to make movies, it was like in high school, uh, I, there was a, a film class at the high school, and I, you know, uh, found it and, and fell in love with making movies, and just, I mean, the same thing as anybody, just make, you know, getting a camera and making stuff with your friends, and uh, the idea that that was in any way something that could be pursued further, whether wisely or unwisely, was, uh, yeah, just the thing that, you know, I started chasing from from there, but yeah. when I first
1: met Andrew, I was very intimidated by him because he was uh, he well, can-
2: we met in high school. Yeah, we Jeff met- grew up in Jersey, I grew up in LA, and we had a friend named TJ who moved from his high school, from his town in Jersey to my town. Uh, it was Jeff's best friend. He became a friend of mine. Our senior high school, and
1: and then I went out and visited my friend who had moved and met Andrew, the, his new best friend. And he was this cool LA
2: film kid prodigy. Uh, None like, of these are true. And this he, is had just Jeff's big, le- he had a, he had a big New Jersey lenses on Los Angeles. A poster of
1: Cuba Gooding Jr. from Pearl Harbor in your bedroom, and. I just thought you were so cool. Can I tell the Can I tell the story of the famous person who had a crush on you? Can't, this yeah yeah. <laughs> okay, so when I first met Andrew, that was a very weak <laughs> well. He was the stuff of legend in his high school because <laughs> Hillary Duff had a crush on him. Oh wow! Uh, and allegedly, he was because he was an intern.
2: I had a very nepotism uh, intern, several ne- internships that I got through my dad, and one of them was on a Hillary Duff film, and I was the only person that was anywhere close to Hillary Duff's age, and I think somehow that got conflated to Hillary Duff had a crush on me, which was not true. She did,
1: and everybody knew it, and everybody was talking <laughs> about it all the time. And for a you know New Jersey nerd like me to like come out to Hollywood and see like that's actually how it works like movie stars just have crushes on you and all that stuff i was very very intimidated
2: I yeah it and really cool. i was just watching all of tj would show me all of your movies from high school and i would just be jealous that you guys no, made you these like weird crazy you're like this guy's you know. so weird
1: there's <laughs> no there's no story It's no three-act structure anyway
2: we uh we met uh early and then it was it became sort of a by sort of chance encounter uh, I was paired with another one of Jeff's friends from high school at NYU as as roommates. Mm-hmm. So first day of school, Jeff was also at school right down the, uh, at NYU, but in a dorm right down the street. So he came over, and us and his roommate were uh, unpacking. And I've, pretty much from there, we started uh, making short films together. And that crew kind of is still the people we made the movie we just made together. Yeah. You know, yeah. so
0: was that were you guys film major, film majors? Yes, okay. yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: shout out to NYU. I mean, we
1: we uh, like Andrew said, we we developed this crew there that just got bigger and bigger over the years, and then we graduated and we all just stayed in New York and kept working on things together and failing together, and it just made that crippling anxiety of post film school, uh, the challenges of of exiting film school a lot easier to bear. And and uh, you know, as people started getting work and and building their careers they would always bring us you know bring anyone that we graduated with back into the fold and that's just continued to now and so when we made plus one i mean half of the cast and crew are these these same people from from uh that crew back in nyu that's
0: fantastic yeah yeah um so you have this this crew of people you graduate uh, you were undergrads
2: We were undergrads, yeah, and and some of, you know, it probably over the course of college started with, you know, a dozen or so people and kind of grew slowly and actors from the acting program or friends from other towns that moved to, you know, the city after school, like, would all kind of, it was, you know, we really all just kind of would hang out and go to each other's apartments and and then someone would come up with an idea like, oh, I got a short film and I don't have any money to pay anybody. It was like, oh, well, this person can do sound and I'll ID it for you and Jeff can, you know, like we would just, everyone would just sort of fill in stuff. Um, and some of our friends started having, you know, various versions of success. We had some friends uh, of ours that, um, had a sketch group or have a sketch group called Britannic and they kind of right out of school kind of blew up with kind of the YouTube boom um, so they were sort of our first friends to get really taken seriously with stuff we had some other friends that we went to uh, film school with that were kind of in the same group as us that kind of uh, won the sort of Hollywood lottery of they made you know a web series that we all kind of chipped in in, in small ways for you know like a thousand dollars and Ben Stiller saw it and called them and was like you guys are moving to Hollywood, kind of thing, or some, <laughs> some version of that story. Um, and they uh, So it was a couple years after school, and they moved out here uh, to start doing uh, a web series called Next Time on Lonnie. Uh, I came out here and helped produce that with them, mainly just because I'd produced people's student films in college and thought that qualified <laughs> me. To, uh, Jeff, at the time, had started a production company called The Binder in New York, and was directing a ton of commercials. Uh, the binary also wound up being one of the production companies on Plus One, so it's sort of an interesting like all the sort of scattershot random things everyone was doing all kind of have continued to just develop We're very and incestuous. converge.
1: <laughs> once you work with us once, you're not going anywhere. That's it. You're you're locked to us forever. Yeah, but that's so. the great
0: thing about having that crew because yeah. you have a shorthand. You know what what people can do, what they can't
2: do. Totally, and and to to be able, I think this sort of idea of having that sort of mutual trust with people Um, in in, in kind of any discipline, whether it's writing or or being on set or editing, you know, um, I think there's so much, you know, film making. films can be so high pressure and high stress and like having people that you trust and that you know it, even if at the end of the day, if things get out of hand, if something doesn't go right, like people that genuinely want the thing you're all working on to do well is like, I think a, a luxury that very few people are afforded. I think a lot of people, make things and everyone's just like going in like how long is this day gonna be can we go home you know like yeah. and, and I think for us I mean and it was it was by no means were Jeff and I like the people spearheading any sort of effort I mean for years it was like you know great all you know like our friends that came out uh, they got a a web series I was producing that they turned that into a, a pilot for, for Comedy Central, and I was, in my head, I was like, great, I'll produce your pilot, and they were like, uh, <laughs> Comedy Central said no, our uh, buddy cannot produce anything, uh, but they we have an open spot as our assistant, and I was like, great, I'll be your assistant, and that was, you know, um, that was sort of how Jeff and I kind of developed part of our connection with, with Red Hour was just through, I had just been working on several projects with them, with our friends, with other stuff, um and yeah and it just sort of all of these you know when we look back at it it all kind of makes sense but it all i think it also feels like just two people like wandering like picking things up and you know trying i mean it really shocked you
1: you hear it a lot but you don't realize just how true it is which is that filmmaking is all about Relationships, and that starts all the way in film school, which yeah. is the same way. Like the any advice I would ever give a film student is just like find the people you love to work with and do not let them go. You know, right. like, yeah. And then from there, that's just going to expand to executives or producers, or and companies. also help.
2: The, like go out of your way to really help everyone with their stuff. I think it's. I think film school can be, and you know, filmmaking in general can be so competitive, and it can be very much about this is my thing and how is it like but like just being there like yeah of course I'll show up and be an extra in your thing this weekend sure great right. yeah. let's do it you yeah know? I mean like, what we, do you need yeah, you? we were extras in our friend's short film last month and yeah. it's and it's the best to, and you're
1: Andrew's particularly good at this he's the guy that you call and he'll sh- being an extra uh, oh, I'm, being an,
2: uh, no I'm actually no no I'm a terrible extra he, he is I he stare looks right the at the camera every there's, single time there is an
1: Andrew Reimer cameo in Plus One that oh my god it is incredible it is it is during a wedding uh in a synagogue and he's got a yarmulke on and he's every all the extras eye lines are where they should be except for andrew who's kind of just looking
2: around but you don't look right at the camera you no know, my eye like bounces off camera i go oh, nope yeah look you, at it there. but <laughs> i'm just <laughs> like what are you well, looking at? why am i at? doing that oh there's the camera yep that's, but andrew is very
1: good at being generous with his time and and lending a hand to anyone who needs it and uh uh, I I'm not as good. I'm, yes, I'm, you are. No, I'm not as good. I, I'll, I'll make up an excuse here, and <laughs> then. but I do think what he's saying is absolutely right, which is to you know, just help other people where you can, and and you never know when you're going to need to call in all all your own favors, and so it's it's a real paying it forward
2: kind of kind of deal.
0: And just saying yes to everything, everything that you can. Yeah, yeah. right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I was
0: just having that conversation with my son last night. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he was, uh, he's in transition and, um, you know, in moving, and uh, he's staying a couple nights at the house. And I said, "Listen, you know," I said, "What are you going to do?" And he said, "I don't know. I should go do stand up and I should do this thing." And I said, "Say yes to everything. Yeah. yeah, get out there and and do stuff."
1: Yeah, yeah. I think clarity of passion is really important when you're younger. Not that you need to know exactly what you're going to be like. I didn't know I was going to be a director until I was probably 23 years old. I mean, it was not something I saw my, for myself because I just didn't think I was good enough. So when I was in film school, I was like, maybe I'll be a writer. Maybe I'll be a sound person. Maybe I'll be this. Maybe, But to your point, just saying yes to any opportunity to just get to do work helped eventually hone in on, okay, this is the thing I'm good at. And this is what yeah. I really want to do. Right. Um, instead of... You know, waffling and saying no to everything, which yeah. I think
2: can... I feel like we have certainly our fair share of experiences. Like saying yes to a lot of jobs and being like, "Well, that was four months of I don't want to do that again." Yeah, and that's <laughs> the <laughs> I don't <laughs> don't, don't need to be that, that guy. lesson. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah.
0: So you you did the whole film school thing. Uh, when did when did you move out here?
1: Four years ago. Okay. So I um I actually uh, moved out here to make a plus one, but uh, was I. I Eat crow really quickly because we had been writing Plus One by Coastalie using a Dropbox account. I was still working at that uh, ad company, The Bindery, and uh, full time. And we got it through to Red Hour, the script to Red Hour, and they jumped on as producers. We got super excited. We got cast, we got financing, and I told all my East Coast friends like, I'm making a movie, I'm this going was, to Hollywood. This was
2: five years ago. See you later,
1: everyone. Yeah. And like quit my job, well I didn't quit, I just left, I moved out to LA, and uh, started putting Plus One together with Andrew and our crew. We made it all the way up to uh, about two weeks away from rehearsals. So we had locations, we had the rest of our cast rounded out. It was just about the holiday break of 2015. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I'm living my dream. I can't believe I'm about to make my first movie. And then um, our financier decides to pull out all of his money to go finance Donald Trump's campaign <laughs> in the hopes of maybe getting a, a cabinet position. And his dreams came true. <laughs> and he got to be communications director for eight days. This is uh, Anthony Scaramucci. Uh, and oh, at the, my God. At the, yep. at the time, he wasn't. You know the mooch. Well, he was the mooch. No, there was a
2: solid year where we were like really
1: stoked if, if we got, got an email. When I got an email with the mooch's name on it, that was a good day for me. There yeah. was a period of time where that was something yeah. I was excited about, and yep. and he pulled out, and um, the movie completely collapsed, and uh, we we scrambled to try to get other financiers on board, and we we couldn't, and we the movie folded, and we had to pay a lot of our cast and crew out of pocket um, for the work that they had done. And then you know, I was, then I was just in LA and um, with no movie, and I had to you know call, no mooch, and no, no mooch. mooch, no mooch, no well, and I watch. And then we have to go watch him go, you know, clown so- around and be soaring, yeah. Yeah. You know, with the best of them, uh, <laughs> and you know, Oof. go back to New Jersey for Christmas break, and everyone's like, "How's that movie coming along?" I'm like, "There's no movie," so it was really embarrassing on top of the pain of having this yeah. thing fall apart. Uh, and then we, you know, started trying to make other short films and yeah. and anything we could, just writing scripts, making shorts. And through those short films, got a company studio called Studio Seventy One and uh, interested in us. And they read the script and decided, hey, we we want to finance this thing. And four months after that, we were we were in production. So we got risen from the grave uh, by our, our saviors, yeah. Studio Seventy One, and and uh, our, the head of production there, Michael Schreiber who rescued this thing when nobody else wanted it. Because once, once a, your movie folds, it kind of has this like weird black mark on it where people don't was like,
2: Oh yeah, I read that two years ago. And yeah. It, it was you know? really
1: hard after that to, to get people to take it seriously or give us a, a reasonable amount of budget to make it. We, we were getting people saying like, Oh yeah, I could give you this small chunk of change or we're like, there's just no way we could make it for that much. So
0: we already have legal pads. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Uh, I remember yeah. I remember my parents calling me one night because they could tell how sad I was and they were like so we've talked it over and we are willing to pay for some of this movie like they were like <laughs> and it was like you know you, literally your parents coming to like try to beat up the bully on the playground for you I was like no 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 you don't have to do that that's so kind also you don't know how much money we need like,
0: it's not I a you're, film. you're really <laughs> underestimating what situation we're in right now but thank you <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, That's fantastic. Yeah. So um, so you came out and you were working before we get to, to Plus One, which we've obviously touched on a little bit. Sure. Um, you have done television work. Mm-hmm. And tell us about that.
2: Jeff and I, I think sort of in film school, you know, some of the first stuff that, you know, in terms of trying to transition to building a professional career the first stuff we started writing together kind of towards the end of school and together was was spec scripts we were just trying to write office specs and pilots and all that kind of stuff i mean that's been a huge goal and a thing that we really wanted to do um and that was also a part of like the years of having PA jobs and editing jobs and all kinds of stuff was we were writing scripts. We were trying to get people to read them. We would get someone to read something. We would get really excited for, you know, a meeting three Thursdays, a phone call that would come from LA three Thursdays from now while yeah. we were living in New York. Yeah. Uh, and then it would be four minutes long and be like, Nah, yeah, if my assistant read it and they didn't, they didn't think much of it, you know? Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, we spent a long time kind of working uh, towards that. And then, you know, plus one, uh, was the first movie we wrote together and the first thing that kind of got us in any sort of door where we were taken seriously really by anybody.
0: That was the first thing you wrote together? Uh, I, no.
2: There's we, we uh, many many, right. many piles of things that have either gone unread or unproduced uh, um, prior to that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the kind of attention around Plus One was the first thing that got us um, any kind of meetings or, or, or serious consideration. And, and when... When the movie fell apart for the first time, uh, we were really pursuing a lot of TV stuff, um, and that is still very much what we're doing. Yeah, But, I mean, Pen15 is our first writing credit on, on a, a TV show that was with, you know, uh, our friends, Maya and Anna and Sam. Um, I had worked uh, in television with our, our other friends from college on their show Big Time in Hollywood. Uh, I was the writer's assistant and script coordinator on that. That was my my phase of... Uh, trying to produce their show and then and then saying no. yes, I will be your assistant. And that was actually what I was doing. It was a great job. It was so much fun to work with them. But there was a part of me that was kind of like, I'm my friend from friends from college's assistant. Yeah. I, I need to figure out what I how to how do I you know make my way here. And that was when Jeff and I started emailing and started writing the mo- writing plus yeah. one together. Was trying to sort of figure out and manifest whatever the next chapter of something would be. Yeah. So. And, um, somewhere in
1: there, I, I, directed three episodes of a show called Adam ruins everything. Um, and it was a wonderful experience. I, like Andrew said, I did a lot of commercial work in New York with the bindery and there's it's television is actually quite similar to uh, commercial work Ooh. in that you have, uh, you, you know, even if you're the director, you're not the head honcho. There's, there's someone yeah. above you and that's a, a showrunner and producers and networks and all that stuff. And same thing with commercials. You have a client and a creative director and a full agency and, I actually really enjoy that, um, because filmmaking is collaborative and I, and I think Andrew and I both are pretty opposed to the idea and the notion that a director is an all knowing being who has knows exactly where the camera goes and exactly, it's not how it is well, it's for some directors maybe, but not, not us. And so I really enjoy having someone else there that I have to listen to, you know, because then that, 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 forces a dialogue that you might not otherwise have you might go well listen i'm the director and the camera's going to go there it's, you it forces you to think outside the box and reconsider and, and um just take your own decisions and choices a little bit more seriously and if it, it's worth defending then that might be a good decision but sometimes you might go actually i didn't think of it that way that's that's right
0: right if we put it there then that's you're gonna be stuck because it's <laughs> tiny little room right exactly. you're not gonna be able to get any other angle because it won't cut together exactly yeah. exactly
2: um, so you were directing, but you both direct, right? we do yeah. yeah, i mean we our our partnership is uh a a a partnership that we you know uh, refer to as a a very functional open relationship. I mean, it started in film school, and I think that there's we we've we're very aware and talk about it a lot that there are a lot of people that start out together, and then eventually, I think just the way. I think it's partly the kind of uh, way everyone in the business kind of thinks. I think there can be just sort of a series of like pressures that just surmount over time and eventually you kind of don't, it seems, um, again, we're relatively uh, new at this compared to others, but uh, we c- we're we sort of seeing that there could be a world in which if we're not also really excited about ourselves and each other as like individuals, then we could kind of get stuck in sort of something. Yeah. Um, In film school, we we had this mentality of like we're gonna be the Cohen Brothers. We're gonna do
1: every <laughs> single thing, and we're gonna it's gonna be the same every single time. And uh, yeah, good idea.
0: No, um, that's just me. I, I'm readjusting the microphones yeah. because I screwed it up when we started. No, to- <laughs> oh, no, it's fine.
1: Um, we we had this idea of like let's model ourselves after the Cohen Brothers, and, and it's not a bad model. Not a bad model at all. But I think what we came to find is that these brother dynamics, like the Cohen Brothers or the Duplass Brothers. Um, they're brothers. And that's a different kind of bond right. yeah. than friends, Yeah, especially yeah. two friends who are very different people. And that's why we're friends. We bring different insights and personalities to each other. And so when it comes time to developing a project, we'll often have these conversations of like, well, what do you what do you want to do with this? Is this something you're excited about? And how should we approach it? I like to say that we have a first-look deal with each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's always you, yeah. We're always going to yeah. run it through each yeah. other. Yeah. We're always going to try to be involved with each other's work. But in what capacity, that can change every single time. Yeah,
0: Right. So, um, yeah, the other thing is they have to show up to Thanksgiving dinner every year together. So. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, you have directed... Together, mm-hmm. how many times? Just on Plus One, or no, we before also that? did
1: two short films together called Pregame right. and Post Party, which are, are the things that got us in the room with Studio Seventy One um, when we were at our peak, depressed uh, after the fall of Plus One. I remember we went to go see Ghostbusters. Well, we were and-
2: producing. We were you were directing, and I was producing two. We had like two back to back. We're doing a Silk almond milk commercial and a commercial for the or a, a short for the Hollywood Reporter, and we had, those were like Thursday, Friday, and then Monday, and so we had the weekend, and I was yeah. we were not doing great in terms of our we were pretty mood sad, and emotions. But we were
1: excited to be doing these two commercials, and yeah, the the two commercials straddled the weekend, and we had really good gear for them. And I remember the movie, uh, it was the new Ghostbusters that were at the Vista Theater in Los Feliz. And the movie was about to start and uh, Reimer comes in and he sits down next to me and he's got his popcorn. And he's like, hey man, um, I don't want to freak you out right now, but I had an idea. And he said, I don't want to freak you out because I was in this headspace of having to direct these commercials coming up. And he's like, I don't want to freak you out, but I had this idea. And I was like, what is it? And he's like, I think we could make a short film in that pocket of free time between the first commercial and the second commercial using the gear we have and I'm like dude the commercial's in two days you're suggesting we're gonna write and develop a short film in two days and he's like yeah and so we wrote this short film pregame in one night the next yeah. day came up with an idea we are like what if we made a short about a group of friends, but because we only well, one no,
2: you day. were you were like it's got to be a oneer because there's no way we can shoot like thirty setups. Right, You're like we'll do a oneer and we'll do it for practice, basically. Yeah. If it doesn't go well, we'll just you know have have tried it. Yeah. You know,
1: and so we got all of our wonderfully talented actor friends who are all in plus one. Everyone from Maya Erskine to uh, Patrick Woodall to Nick Reinhart, Scarlett Birmingham, yeah. uh, Ryan yeah. McElhenney, everyone who's in plus one. Uh, they all came and. and did this for us and we workshopped it rehearsed it the day after the uh, first commercial wrapped up shot it the next day and then went into the next commercial the next day after that and uh, once Studio 71 saw that they were like what else do you guys have and that's how we showed them Plus One
0: yeah how do you guys work as co-directors
2: we uh, I mean Jeff has a a very I don't know apt how would you what's the I always botch the description uh, when you say it I like to say that uh
1: I look at the world through a microscope and Andrew looks at it through a telescope. And what I mean by that is if we're on set, I am I am looking at the most microscopic details to a point where I'm like too zoomed in. And I'm like, I think I found a way to synthesize water while Reimer's standing up next to me, just looking up at the sky going, hey man, I think I see a planet with water on it right over there. So it's a very different approach at it. Andrew's extraordinarily collaborative and very big picture. He always sees things that nobody else sees uh, when they're running around with their heads, chickens with their heads cut off, whatever the saying is. And
2: Jeff will like, make sure that things are right. I think people, you know, the pressures of filmmaking, of being on a set, of people being, you know, uh, there just being a lot of people who have to get something right in order to move on from a take. Jeff's just incredibly good at making sure we actually have it. We actually have the thing right. Um, You know, and I think we've known each other so long that there really isn't any sort of bumpy process to you know, collaborating in that way and directing together. You
1: yeah, know. we've never we're pretty efficient as collaborators in that we don't read each other's minds, but we can we can get on the same page really, really quickly. So yeah. we don't have the awkward co-director thing where the whole crew is waiting for us to sort out a disagreement.
2: That's yeah, actually right. never ever. Well, happened. I think, but I also think that it's not that that would be impossible to right. happen. Right. I do, and I think that part of the thing, particularly on like Plus One, was. There was a, an interesting thing of like we, it, it was not intentional, we wound up carpooling together mainly because the movie didn't have enough money to rent a, cine, uh, a, a, car. a, a, a car for our cinematographer who is one of our friends who's in from oh, out man. of town who's gracious enough to come in from out of town and, and shoot the movie with us. But uh, he, I basically just loaned him my car and then uh, Jeff and I lived down the street from each other, so I was like, "I don't have a car. We're going to the same place. Why don't you just drive me to set every day?" <laughs> yeah, and it allowed us to talk every single. We kind of had a morning meeting every morning on wow. the way, you know, on the way to set, and that was like, "Okay, what is the scene today? What's important? What is like really, Im- you know, because film sets are just like you think you know everything, and then like you get to set and just every like it's just like someone does that." you know, table setting where they just yeah. shake out the, you know, the the tablecloth and everything falls over. You know, that's what a, film, a, set, a day on a film set can kind of feel like. And I,
1: I ruined so many mornings for Reimer. He would get a new <laughs> car, happy as a clam, ready to do a new day, and I'd be like, what are we doing with the pool montage? And he's like, what?
2: <laughs> There's also a, I would say, more of a stereotype that does have some truth of, uh, our relationships to stress are very different yeah, yeah, uh, I, you know,
1: I, think. I get shingles and Reimer gets eight hours every night
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew sounds like you're the kind of guy who just gets it all out right away
2: uh, in in like in terms of like in, in shooting
0: just, style? No, just uh, no just in terms of if you're frustrated or whatever it's out there I, th- I, you don't bottle it up and sleep on it like I'm guessing Jeff well, but does
1: but
2: Jeff doesn't necessarily bottle it no,
1: no, up and no, sleep on it either. the other way around <laughs> yeah. I will pop off right away and Reimer will sit on it and go actually I don't care about that it's not even bottling up it's just like yeah that's, I'm not going to let that bother me whereas the most minuscule thing could cause me to be very frustrated for a couple hours and get shingles <laughs> which I currently
2: have <laughs> it's only a matter of time before the shingles work their way it's, into I'm this like, interview I can't stop thinking about it because they're burning my arm right now.
0: Oh, that's horrible. Um, so let's get into, where, where. what was the impetus for Plus One? How did, where did that idea come from?
1: You know, it's two, twofold. We often say that we wrote this movie during a time when all of our friends were getting married and we were doing a lot of thinking about what that meant. And that's true. We were. But there's another part of it where Andrew and I, whenever we develop a new project, we have a tendency to lean towards the stories of people who might otherwise not have their stories told? We really like things like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. You know, <laughs> that side characters that nobody's paying attention to, who have their own perspective on the the big right. ceremony. So yeah. we were like, "What's? Let's take a rom com and let's look at the characters that are in the deep background, burning in the sun. You know, sitting in the sitting in the the crowd." what are they thinking right now? What are they
2: going through? How are they processing this? And we got really excited about that. And and even away from, like, bef- you know, just the, the sort of the relationship comedy aspects of it that are even less wedding-related, I think we were looking around and noticing the way a lot of our friends get in, still to this day, get in and get out of relationships is not necessarily the way it's always depicted in romantic comedies in particular, that the things, you know that it is as much loneliness and anxiety and convenience that can be the things that cause people that catalyze people to, you know, get together or, you know, in our movie, quite simply getting drunk and then suddenly someone looking a little different, like one late one night kind of thing. Um, not that that's an, any sort of cynical or, or horrible observations. Just, it just to us felt a little bit more honest, you know, our, we didn't know a lot of, and don't know a lot of people who have, Relationships or have had relationships, whether they lasted or broke up, that looked exactly like the way romantic relationships tend to look in comedies. And we just sort of were like, I feel like there's something fairly simple and maybe even a little obvious that we can do that's like just what the way we see relationships working, you know. Um, when, I think when we first sort of started talking about this idea, we were very self conscious that, like, Two people going to a bunch of weddings sounds like a movie you've seen a lot of times, yeah, yeah. you know. Right. Like it's saying. the wedding date. Yeah, right? exactly. And and I think you know, and we were very aware of that. But there was something, you know, and and we've come up with plenty of ideas that then we go, yeah, that seems I've seen that movie. Like and then we kind of drop it for some reason. This one there's just something to it in terms of really trying to approach a relationship story from the side of loneliness as opposed to from which you know, and not in a pessimistic way, like in a way that just felt honest, uh, was sort of, I think a thing that just let us not drop this, you know? Yeah.
0: I'm shocked to hear that you don't think that relationships and romantic comedies are not (laughs) realistic. Um, so you had the
1: idea, how long did it take to write? We wrote the first draft in, I want to say a month, um, that, that came together really quickly. Of course it wasn't there yet, but, uh, shockingly the structure generally stayed the same from there we uh had many many drafts that spanned all the way to the moment we were shooting uh i have to give kudos to jack and maya because yeah. they they brought a lot to to the script and
2: uh everything from line punch-ups to major structural changes I mean, I think we had drafts well past shooting. I think we went into production, and the call sheet said, ending as to be written <laughs> to be written yeah, we we didn't have an ending when we started shooting. we we did well, we did, um, but we table but, read it and it sucked. yeah, it sucked I'll, oh yeah, <laughs> say, your tongues right, I mean,
1: sorry. I'll yeah, say, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. no, I, I won't give it away. But, you know, you can we hear a lot and we read a lot in the reviews of of like, oh, well, I wonder if they get together in the end. And we really wanted to subvert that expectation and write an ending where they don't get together in the end. And, We did a table read, and it just bombed. And Maya uh, asked this question where she was like, so my arc is that I'm broken up with, I fall in love with my best friend, we get together, then we break up, and then I get back together with my ex and that's it and we're like yeah that's problematic you're right Uh, yeah it was like the
2: it was yeah we had we had thought the ending of our movie was great for a long time we table this was not like oh let's get a table read and like work on the movie this was like we're shooting in like nine days and our producers who are all very intelligent smart high powered people are sitting at the end of a long conference table from us and all the actors file out Yeah, and they just the producers just like they kind of like explain exchange pleasantries with some of the actors and they just go you guys need a new ending. <laughs> yeah, all of them. <laughs> all immediately, of them. Like, this, ending does, this ending doesn't work. Um, so yeah, there was everything
1: from the ending change, which was pretty scary to have to figure that out. A movie we've been working on for years. While
2: shooting the first part. To our first have to picture, write
1: yeah. an, an, an ending while we were shooting. Uh, and we would also uh, i have to shout out another person here, John Daigle, our editor, who was my college roommate uh, freshman year and then for, for the rest of college yep. with, with both of us. Uh, is an incredible editor, like just like a freak of nature. He puts everything he's got into his work, and uh, we had the luxury of getting to go to his apartment after each day of shooting and get to watch the cuts he'd done from the oh, day wow. before, yeah. and which is really wonderful. And he's so talented that these these were not rough cuts; these were good cuts. And so we were about two weeks in, and he had all of of a uh, sequence assembled. And he was really excited. He's like, I've got one of the weddings done. And we watched the whole sequence and it ended. And I remember just immediately being thinking to myself, that sequence is too short. This is a really important sequence where we're just seeing them play with each other, the slow dance on a dance floor, make fun of groomsmen photos, uh, all this stuff. And it was like, something is missing. It just feels so short. And Andrew and I started talking about it. And we're like, I think we need to write a scene to shoot before to start lead into the sequence as part of the sequence. And we came up with this scene, wrote it, called our friend Finn Whitrock, and said, are you free tomorrow morning to come shoot this thing? And he said, sure. He learned his lines in two hours, showed up and shot this scene that it's I mean, I think it's hilarious. Yeah. But what's my favorite is whenever people say that was their favorite scene in the movie, because I'm like, that did not exist <laughs> until five minutes before yeah, we yeah. shot it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the writing process just really never, never ended. Yeah.
0: That's, <clears throat> and it's it's great that we can do that now. Yeah. yeah. Digital editing uh, yes. and yeah. and you can even see your, you can even see your stuff right there, yeah. you know, on set. Yeah. You know, yeah. Play it back for me. what we get? Yeah. And uh, so you wrote it quickly, went through a bunch of revisions because it was a multi-year process to, to get into it. You didn't shoot in sequence, I'm taking
2: it. No, we did not. No, uh, the, you know, really, I think one of the massive advantages our movie had uh, was uh, in the kind of production, the the sort of brilliance of the production logistics as kind of masterminded by our producer and also former college friend Jeremy Reitz, um, who is an incredibly talented producer and was able to kind of I think most people, the sort of stereotype of someone making a first film is like, oh, the you know the 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 filmmaker is kind of maybe deer in the headlights a little bit with the you know uh, mechanics of a production, and then and a producer is kind of steamrolling them into what the schedule can allow and the budget can allow right. and that kind of stuff. And and Jeremy was kind of he was our partner from the very he was like the first person like even before Red Hour to read the script with us and be like, I think we should make this. Like, I think we can all. Like, we're we're ready to do this. I mean, it would take us five years to do it. But um, he was really able to know what was, like, what were the important things. You know, I mean, one of the major things was, like, from day one, he was the champion of, like, we need to make sure so much money goes into extras. Because, like, if these, if we can get as many weddings and all this kind of stuff, but if there's 20 people, as is constantly the thing in, like, you know— in a, something that's supposed to be a crowd scene, then it's gonna look weird. Or, and also, as a part of that, it was like, well, we just, the whole creative team was like, we need to make sure we're choosing locations that can be the outside atrium to the, you know, the reception, <laughs> or this, and it was a really, that was really part of the process, and to your initial question of we did, did we shoot in sequence? No, and what we would kind of do was, the kind of schedule was this kind of masterminded thing of combining, Uh, Days so that, like, if there was a day where we had 80 extras, we would get four weddings worth of stuff. We would be at a location where there was four different looks that our production design team could really decorate something. But, like, if you, if anyone is ever cares to watch this movie enough times, you will spot the same people go to the same weddings if you look closely. I mean, but that's because of the sort of cleverness of, like, that was a way to do this, and, and we would never have been able to do this in sequence, but... Yeah, so much of it was about clustering the things that would otherwise, for a film the size of ours, be a huge impediment and, and were able to be kind of like, you know, worked around yeah. and, and sorted out. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, that's pretty common. Even, yeah. Even oh, on big sure. films where yeah. you'll shoot a big crowd scene. Oh, yeah. And you've got two of them in the same location. Oh, you're yeah, yeah. Swapping people out. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. You, were, of you were on camera on this one, you go to the back
2: of the yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, head, yeah, so. yeah. Absolutely.
0: Um, so it's all come out you're rolling out when does it when does it open it's Friday June 14th yay yeah yeah um, and what's next for you guys
2: we are uh, working on our next uh, feature script that we're sort of trying to take out and and get sorted out and squared away and all that and that stuff we're working on some TV projects
1: yep Andrew's wrapping up pr- post production on, a, on a, a branching narrative series he's been working it's on it's been a lot of fun uh, yeah. for, for a company called Echo called Epic Night um, uh, yeah we've just been developing a lot of new stuff together and and um, we're just we're kind of about to to Gonna, we're, well, no, we're I'm hoping
2: gonna, to close a couple things, but we uh, can't, you know. Uh, well, really I also want to get,
1: I was about to make my baby analogy, but you don't like it.
2: <laughs>
1: I feel like we're just, I, we're eight, five years pregnant and we're about to give birth to this thing. It's hard
2: to. It's a creepy analogy. It's hard the to The image focus. of being
1: five years pregnant is very creepy. It also
2: sounds weird. The bu- baby's
1: not out yet. <laughs> so answering the question, are you going to have another baby, is
2: really hard because. We're, Let's have we're, two guys talk about babies. We're, more. we're This due. is a great, you know. I've yeah. got Shingles,
1: I can say whatever I want.
0: <laughs> it's worse than childbirth, I've heard.
1: Shingles? Oh, yeah, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Way worse.
0: Well, guys, thanks for sitting down. Thank you, Thank you is, so this much. This has been illuminating. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing. But television is where you 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 where you go, or no, is we it? want to
1: go. No, we want to do everything. We like to write and direct and produce and television and movies. So we're, we want to be busy and we want to do it all. So uh, we'd like to... We're developing a TV show and a movie right now, and and it's sort of like a horse race. You, you
2: let a, let let your horses off, and we see. say that, and I think we also recognize that, like, yeah, this thing. We if you'd asked us in 2014 when we had just had you know uh, Red Hour sign on to produce a movie, like, yeah, we're going to make a movie, and it's gonna ha- it's gonna be out in like you know nine months. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great, and you know, here we are five years later, that we're very proud of it. Yeah. But so you know, we're just trying to get as many things moving forward on all fronts yeah. and know that it's a long process with all of them yeah exactly we have no idea what the what setbacks or anything yeah. lay ahead but
0: yeah yeah alright well yeah good luck thank, thank you. you thank you so much
2: Toto i have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore I love the smell of night pump in the morning
0: frankly my dear I don't give a damn you talking to me you talking to me go ahead make my day he's looking at you kid they're
1: called boobs Ed. well done
0: our thanks again oh, no! to Jeff and Andrew, and also to our sponsors, ScreenwritingU and Screencraft.com. Thanks for listening, and keep writing.
2: Toto, i have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. I love the smell of my pump in the morning.
0: Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. You talking to me? You talking to me? Go ahead. Make my day. He's looking at you, kid.
1: They're called boobs, Ed. Eh? Well done!